welcome to the Better Everyday Coaching Podcast. Today we're talking about coaching cliches, type of phrase you often find yourself doing or saying as a coach. Uh, today I'm joined by Sam Murphy. Hello, Sam. Hey, Frenchie. I'm also joined by Leo Micklem. Hello, Leo. Yep. All right, Smurf. Leo, um, for this we're going to play a little game. Um, basically, I'm going to read you out cliches one at a time, uh, and you can tell me if you think the cliche is always true, if it's never true, or if it's sometimes true. Um, now we know, obviously, cliches tend to have a grain of truth somewhere in them, um, but yeah, we'll see what we think of these. Um, so our first one, um, I'm going to start with Smurf here. Um, so Smurf, the first cliche is, uh, we're going to play each point as if it's a nil-nil game to one. No, I don't agree with this one at all. I think, like, in an ideal world, maybe. But, uh, no, I think having awareness of, like, where we are in the game is important. Um, I don't keep track of the score when I'm playing, uh, so I'm not always trying to keep track. But I'd be lying if, towards the end of games, I didn't start to check it and expend energy based on like sometimes if i'm asked if i can go on for another point to play d-line or something when i've been playing oh i will have a look and so it does just impact as a player kind of how i will kind of manage myself so i don't agree with this one really okay leo what are your thoughts yeah i also don't really agree uh with it i think that there are situations where it can be beneficial for a team to either mentally reset or get themselves out of a hole or if they're being spanked in a game give them something to get out of the game but i think they're like pretty niche situations and that for the most part i disagree with it yeah okay we're very boringly i think all aligned on this i say it's actually i might say this a lot it's one of my least favorite cliches because it kind of ignores how ultimate is actually played and structured particularly as a, as a defensive coach if you're just trying as hard as you can in every possession same in offense if you're just doing your best thing in every possession which you would do if you were nil nil game to one like you do in the universe point you obviously play your best players your best offense best defense so if you're not doing that and you're saying to your team it's nil nil game to one I, everyone knows that you're talking complete nonsense um because you're not doing what you said immediately so yeah, okay, we're in agreement. This one should go in the bin and people should stop saying this. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll move on to the next one. Oh, we'll start with Leo this time. So Leo, something I think we, we all say during the season, which is that we should only focus on controlling what we can control. I don't like the wording of it. You can blame me for that. Yeah, so like I would, I would agree with the phrasing of control the controllables. I quite like that. I think it's a really uh, useful tool for players to at least help them get away from being worried about external factors. Um, I don't think it works for everybody, but uh, I definitely think it's, it's in it. it has its place and is, is worthwhile from that point of view. So I'm, I'm keeping that one. Okay. Smurf, what about you? I'm not the same as Leo. As a player, when a coach says this, I switch off. I think it's irrelevant. <laughs> Uh, to be honest, and I'm sure it does work for some people, but whenever a coach starts saying this, I just I'm like, okay, there's a couple of minutes now where I can just switch my mind off and not listen too much. So I don't need this from a coach at all. 
Is that because when the coach says it, they're looking at you because you've just gone to a fight with someone on the sideline um, and it's distracting everyone on the team and so you don't want to listen to it or is there another reason for it? That couldn't be pointed at me. Uh, no, I don't know. I just think like it's such an obvious one in terms of like what is the alternative try to control the uncontrollables. Um, so it doesn't really change my... Or when I've been told it, it's never really changed how I kind of approach things. So I just don't think it's a, a relevant thing to say when you have limited kind of attention spans from your players. Uh, I think, like, I agree with you, Smurf, that there'd be no point in saying it to you. Uh, but I think in, in particularly in the preparation for a game, when you've got an entire squad of people and you have uh, players that start focusing on, oh, it's a bit windy or whatever, the disc is slippy or whatever else, and they start to like get in their own heads about all these little things that might go wrong. I think it can be a it can be a grounding for those sort of players, but I agree that I wouldn't want to say it to you. That's fair enough. Yeah, I think I just fo- I prefer things like about bringing back your focus, um, and I suppose then like with a lot of these kind of coaching cliches, like if you just say them at some random points in the year, they're pretty irrelevant regardless. Whereas if you have kind of a, a team approach that's unified and, you know, certain buzzwords as has been discussed in the Substack uh, or in the Discord, then I think they can be useful. But for me, this one in, in a vacuum isn't overly helpful. Yeah, I have a, I guess, a different quibble with this in that I don't really think it's the complete picture. So I do agree. I maybe don't trust players as much as um, Smurf as a player trusts the rest of the players on his team. Um, I think people really do need to be reminded to focus on things that are important. Um, but where I think this phrasing gets wrong is it makes too much of a binary distinction between things you can't control and things you have no control over whatsoever. I read, I, I think it was in a sports psychology book, a sports psychology book on football, which is written by Sven Goran Eriksson, a sports psychologist whose name I can't remember, unfortunately. Um, but it was really good at what the framework they suggested was group what's happening into things you can control, things you can't control, which obviously we all know about, and then a middle ground of things you can influence. So I might not be able to control if one of my players on the team is grumpy and shouting at people. Like I, got, I can't control that. They're their own person. But I think it's probably wrong to say I have no control over it. I have influence over it. Similarly, if the opposition, like the kind of classic one in Ultimate, is, is the way the opposition is acting, like if the opposition are obnoxious or they're making bad calls and so on, like you can't control that. Does that mean you should just bury your head in the sand and ignore it and do nothing about it? I don't think so. I think yeah, you can influence the way the opposition is behaving. Like obviously we have like spare timeouts is obviously the, the bluntest instrument there, but like you can chat people on the sidelines, you can get your spirit captains to talk to them. Like there's a lot of ways you can you can influence it. Because I don't think this one's never true. I just think it's incomplete and teams would be much better off not making such a binary distinction um, between the the states of control and not control. I don't know, Smurf, Leo, did I ever mention just the rattle? It's probably the sort of thing I should probably talk to my teams about instead of just keeping my head. Um, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't be listening because you just hear me say, talk about controls and uncontrollables and you just immediately switch off and miss the point. But uh, sorry, I interrupted you. It's more likely that you tried to say something like this and then Feely uh, chimed in and started talking about stuff because uh, uh, I don't remember you saying control the controllables too much. I think there was that seems to be more of a, like, players get kind of pissed off at each other for the way we're acting or 
people are complaining about it raining or being windy and other players hear that and they're like control the controllables um so it's just fired around as like uh you know some players getting pissed off at other players uh in my experience uh but i don't remember you saying it specifically all right that's good news for me cool uh we'll move on to our third one uh we'll start with smurf here again uh, and this one did cause a lot of uh discussion on the discord uh just mind if you listening to this if you visit pretty much any post in my Substack, um there's a link to the discord in those posts uh so this one is always take what you're given smurf what do you think is this always true is this never true or is this sometimes true I think this is almost never true. I think a good defense should be set up to kind of take away what the other team is good at. And this is essentially like, okay, well, they want us to, you know, take unders or take resets to the trap side. And we should do that. Um, So I'm much more in the camp of take what you want. Uh, But I think Anya kind of came in as the conversation developed in the discord and the idea of like noticing what they're giving you and then taking what you want is probably something that I could think about. But then again, I don't know. I think just uh, certainly if you want to be like a a high level player, I think you have to be greedy in a way. And maybe there are certain moments in kind of clutch games where you just have to kind of take what you're given to to keep offense moving. But 98% of the time, I think you have to be more greedy than that. Um, if you want to keep improving, yeah, I I would tend to agree with Smurf. I think there there are moments where you just if you need to get yourself out of a hole, just take what you're given. But I don't think that I would say this myself as a coach. I feel like it's yeah, you you want to be aware of what you're being given and ask the question, why am I being given it? Is it part of the system that they're like trying to do this, or is it because somebody's made a mistake? And then obviously you can exploit that. Um, but I would say more of the time, it's not the most beneficial thing at a high level. Where do you think, like, where does this come from, Neil? I think it comes back to the kind of most fundamental beginner level of the game, where it's just like at a college level, you want to be able to complete as many passes as possible and try and get the disc down the field. And if there's something easy to take, the encouragement is to take it because skill level is low and you want to do things that are at least perceived to be higher percentage. Um, and so it's like part of this idea that early doors, we need to try and get people to be playing to a certain standard as quickly as possible to try and win intervarsity titles and things like that without a kind of longer term view of the like more elite level in Europe. Yeah, I do think that like it almost, I think like knowing your role is a better way to phrase it for me at the elite level because there are certainly some times where I've been on teams and I've been watching my teammates out there and you would love to tell them to just like take the open pass um so I suppose you could say take what you're given is relevant in that scenario but I think it is more like you don't want to apply that to the entire team so I wouldn't shout that at all seven people I would want my one or two people that I know can break the mark and take on big throws um, to still do that and not just take what they're given, but it's more of a kind of know your role thing for me than just take what you're given. Yeah, I mean, with the discussion in the Discord, like going back and forth, I kind of went back and forth in my own mind about whether I like this or not. Uh, like instinctively, I don't for all the reasons that you said, um, but I do also remember 
kind of like you're saying this more like playing with so many players that like only wanted to throw a particular thing or they only wanted to make a particular cut um and that's really frustrating um when they're like dictating the offense and as you say smurf like they're like making poor decisions because like they just want to throw a hook or maybe they're a really good receiver and they just want to come and get the disc under and it's like please please go score because you're being marked by someone who's six inches shorter than you and it's going to be an easy score for us if you if you just stop running at the disc but more and more i just think like this cliche like its existence just misses the point um i don't know what you think about that because for me like decisions should be made like what's the best thing for the offense overall not like it shouldn't be a dichotomy of like i should take what i want or i should take what i'm given it should be like what decision here is going to benefit the team scoring in the long run and that might be throw the open pass sometimes sometimes it might be don't throw the open pass because if you wait a second someone's wide open on the break side and you can throw that instead and open up the uh, open up the defense uh, a lot better that way so uh, that's yeah, I just think any sort of advice that's just geared around making one single decision is always doomed to to fail as good good advice for having trying to play offense. So, uh, Leo, what do you think about that? Or do we need to, or do we need to have these phrases to simplify things for players? I think that there are situations where there are phrases that are beneficial, but like that's it's such a blanket across the board statement that. And the game is so nuanced in terms of situations. Uh, like even people trying to run really uh, regimented systems doesn't work. And p- people want solutions for every single situation. What do we do here? What do we do here? What do we do here? And actually, you need to learn to like yeah, think on your feet and what's the best thing for the team in the situation. Yes, you can have principles by which you play, but always take what you're given. I think is way too too general from that point of view. Cool. The the like one scenario that always springs to mind for me when it comes to this is so like every single season I coach Fiona Myrna, who was one of the best receivers in Europe for a long, long time, and probably still is if she decided to go back to that level. Teams would naturally generally have a sweeper when Fiona was on, um, sweeping up deep if she was if she was an active cutter. And I'd always have to say to her at some point in the season, like Fiona if that situation happens, like just run past both defenders because A, you're most likely to be able to beat them both anyway um, and we can score and that's great. Uh, but if not, you're going to draw two defenders instead of just taking the 10 yard under. Yeah, again, I think, I think we're, all, we're all probably too aligned here that uh, this one... On that one, Frenchie, like that's a situation where what you're given is the under uh in terms of fiona being being given it but she's like not taking that and exploiting the defense doing that for the best thing for the team and then the person who's being poached then can get the disc and in that way the person being poached is taking what they've been given but it's because you've manufactured it that way yeah yeah so i mean really what we want to do is to create more intelligent players overall and yeah i think either saying take what you're given all the time or we want all the time. I think both of them just reduce ultimate end to like a 1v1 battle, which it isn't. It's a 7v7 game. So, all right, uh, we'll move on from that. If anyone is listening to this and interested, you can always jump into the Discord and read through the old arguments and spark them back up again because people seem very, very willing to, to talk about this a lot. 
Okay, I did send you most of these cliches and then I added a couple last minute. Um, so these ones are surprises for you. Smurf, I'll start with this um, for you. Uh, this one, I hope you did hear me say a lot. Um, and I've definitely, I think, posted it on my Substack of times. Um, so this is my cliche, so you have to say it's great. I love saying that all feedback is a gift. So do you think that's always true? Do you think that's never true? Or do you think that's sometimes true? Oh, God, judging by my reaction to some feedback that I've probably been given by coaches, I think they'd call me a liar if I believe this one fully. Um, do I think that all feedback is a gift? No, I don't think I agree with this one in that, like, I've definitely gotten some feedback that is just, it's disguised as feedback, but it's just people that are pissed off at me. Um, so I've, you know, thrown something or made a certain cut or made a mistake and they think I've done it lazily or whatever it is they're pissed off at. And then they come over to, you know, give me feedback. Um, but not really feedback in that case, I think. I think most feedback is great and I do enjoy getting feedback despite my reactions sometimes. Um, but I wouldn't say that all feedback is a gift. I might think about this a bit more while Leo's speaking as well and, and see if I change my mind. I think if you, if you delve into it a little bit more, uh, you could say, okay, that feedback that you're getting, that you kind of put in inverted commas, Smurf, about somebody just being like pissed off is not feedback necessarily that's beneficial to your game but it is giving you other information about like your teammates where they're at mentally uh where the kind of cohesion is that relationship and while maybe in the game you can't necessarily do a huge amount with that it is possible to use that information to have a conversation later on if you so choose uh and and work on that rapport so so like in the same way that you said that the feedback is like hiding the fact that they're pissed off it's also giving you other information uh about about that person and about the about the team uh environment that could be used so i think i i still i agree with uh you that i don't necessarily agree that feedback all feedback is a gift i do think that you probably can take something from all feedback yeah i do think as well though uh, especially from a player perspective that there's definitely such a thing as too much feedback. And it's maybe something we saw at Ranla last year with a rookie class of like 18 people. Like there's a lot for them to learn. And if you're getting like 13, 14 pieces of feedback from senior players and fellow rookies and coaches during a session, it can actually be too much. So I just don't know if it's productive and it's actually can, I think, just be like, take someone completely out of their game because their mind is now swirling with anxious thoughts. So uh, I think feedback should be kind of well thought out rather than just blurted out on the spot. Cool. Um, so to give some background to this, this is um, something I actually learned in work. Uh, I learned to work, I mean, my boss at the time uh, said it to me after um, I'd been running I'd be running training sessions as 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 it happened um, in a different country of a a new system, um, and I got super negative feedback from one senior person in the organization, basically like lambasting the entire training session and stuff, uh, which is horrible to read, obviously. 
Uh, and my boss was like, well, we all know that this person's a terrible person. So we can disregard that, like how horribly it's written. Like no one's, like, no one's thinking less of you because they've said it in this way. And, but my boss said to me, he was like, but is what she's saying, like, is it without merit? Is there, like, you could just be like, this person's horrible. They didn't like the thing we were showing them. So they just wrote horrible feedback, dismiss it completely. So, but like, is there some validity to what she's saying? It's like, but yeah, there is. Like, the thing we're we're demonstrating here is garbage, and I know it. And I knew that the way we had run the training sessions was pretty suboptimal. So I was like, yeah, like the feedback. If I tried to disassociate the way it was given, I can still take a message from it, and I think. People at Ultimate are very precious about the way they're giving feedback. Uh, that's why I say this all the time, uh, because it's not helpful. And I've always struggled with giving feedback, as um, I think I've spoken about a few times and I've written about. So it's not helpful for me to think like, the form I'm giving feedback in maybe going to lead to people disregarding it or getting upset or whatever. I'd much rather people were able to like take feedback, even if it's not delivered. Often, or sometimes, like Frank, as a, as a coach, you sometimes just deliver like non-verbally. It's like you should be able to see the feedback in what's happening in a training session or what's happening around you. I'll take those two separate points actually. So that first point then is like, this is less, it's not a, it's not a blank check. Just give as much feedback as you want in whatever form you want um, across the team. But I think it's more from the other end as the recipient of it. How can I better process what I'm given, even if I don't like, as you don't like Spurf? Um, sometimes the way or the timing of it. If I just dismiss it, there's no value to it whatsoever, but can I take something from it? So um, does, that, does that completely change your mind, Smurf? And now you're going to love when people come up to you after you, you've thrown away a forehand and tell you, hey, Smurf, shouldn't throw away forehands, you know? Yeah, I guess I'll thank them for the feedback next season when they're all telling me that. And uh, I'll, yeah, not throw away anymore. I don't know. I. I still, I, I definitely like it more when you put it in the perspective of um, it's a good kind of tip to give people to try and be getting something from maybe a negative situation. Um, like if people are shouting at you, at least try to be like, okay, well, can I actually gain from this? That's good. But yeah, I think feedback in its delivery in Frisbee is not great generally. So um, I, I'll stick to my guns on that one overall. Cool. And uh, then Leo, second part I was going to get to then, which is more of a, I guess, a coach player um, thing is like, again, I'm holding my hands up. I know I'm not great at delivering feedback in general, um, but I do get frustrated when people seem to, players seem to think that the only feedback that counts is like very direct, very, like, very simplified, like, I think you should do this, like X skill better. Uh, and that's the only feedback that counts. I'm like, well, you were at 30 training sessions this year. We were doing all these games and all these drills. I said stuff to you. Like, I said, you, know, you did that well. You didn't do that well. Come out to the pit and say, we need to do this better. You threw the disc into the ground. Like, oh, that's feedback. So I get a little bit upset when people say, I don't get any feedback in training. So like, feedback is everywhere if you take it on yourself to look for it rather than just seeing yourself as someone needs to receive it passively. You're nodding your head, so I already know you agree with me, Leo. Yeah, you, I mean, you started saying what you were talking about, and I, I immediately 
jump to the conclusion. Uh, I, this happens all the time. You get to the end of the season and and people are like, oh, I didn't get a lot of you know individual feedback. And it's like, well, typically we're doing like things we want to improve on at training is because we spotted that multiple people need to improve upon it. And so like there's a good chance that that you're one of those people. And and so it's all it's all part of the thing. Like it's unrealistic to think that one coach can like constantly be giving feedback to 30 people on a weekly basis like individually sending messages and stuff uh it's yeah you've got to you've got to be a little bit more open to realize that you're getting feedback all the time if you're if you're prepared to look for it and i think that's what sets some of the top players apart is that they're at sessions and they're analyzing their own game and what they're doing and what the sessions are doing rather than just waiting to be explicitly told you need to do x or y grace Okay, we have time for one more cliche. Um, I have a long list, so I think we'll be recording some more episodes on this uh, at a future date. But for the final episodes, this was suggested by Walton in the Discord. He suggested loads, um, which is great. But the one I picked out from him is, and this phrase multiple ways, I'll run through a few phrasings. Just keep swinging the disc till we score. Let's walk the disc in to show my hand. My least favorite way of saying this is like, just forget that there's an end zone and just keep moving the disc and eventually you'll just score. Um, you don't have to think about the end zone at all. Leo, I'll come to you first. Do you think this one is true? Do you think it's never true? Or do you think it's sometimes true? I mean, my, my kind of immediate reaction is that there's, there are very few, if any, situations where it's, where it's true. Um, I think that like the context that probably most comes out in is against some kind of passive zone. Uh, but if you recognize in that situation that if it's a passive zone, it's because they want you to make loads of passes. Uh, so it's like, yeah, it's similar to the take what you're given situation. And uh, I think in your general offense that you should have a plan and you should know what your team is trying to achieve and what your teammates are trying to do and what they like to do and, and the direction that you're going in. Um, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me to have sort of what I perceive as mindless passes just hoping that you'll stumble upon the end zone at some point. Okay, so Smurf, then, if um, you've taken a timeout, like, in the red zone and setting for offense, and Leo or myself says, just relax, everyone, just, like, keep moving the disc, and eventually you will score if we just just keep moving the disc. Um, don't worry too much about it. What's your, what's your reaction in the huddle? But if you're the one that's saying that, then I'm extremely worried about your mental state because I know that you don't believe it at all. I think I probably used to think this, um, and it's interesting how your thoughts change over the years. I think when I started watching teams like Ring, who played a lot of Dominator and Brown, I was like, oh, if we just play a three-man game at the front of the stack and we just take the open option and move it side to side, like we'll get an easy shot. Um, but yeah, I think having been coached by you, it's ingrained in my kind of thought process now that it's all about efficiency. And if we can score in three passes and, uh, you know, a big hook to the end zone, then we should do that. Um, so yeah, I think the idea of swinging the disc for the sake of it is incredibly stupid. Um, I think unless you're just like doing it to practice swinging uh, in an early season tournament, that is the only application of this that I think makes sense. But no, I think be as efficient as possible. Uh, and as you know, 
I I certainly like a risky throw or two in a game. So um, I'd be lying if I said that I listened to coaches when they told me this. That's interesting that you've changed your mind over over the years. So now when you look at offenses like truck and ring, do you, what do you see? Do you see them as being sort of passive and just being like, we're just going to keep taking sort of open pass, keep moving the disc and eventually score? Or do you think they are trying to attack and score a lot and just are very risk averse in terms of the shots they're taking? Yeah, I think the like the game develops as well, like defenses adapt. And so I think that maybe when Ring started this, it was like just so low risk that they were gonna score so much. But then defenses got too good at defending three man games and suddenly taking twenty passes in the reset space with people like Randolph around is like you're just gonna get blown up at some point. Uh, I think truck have found an interesting middle ground where they kind of play off the fronts and throw a lot of breaks. They don't throw many hooks. And I think that's more to do with like their, the, the personnel that they have. Like they're not the best in the air, I would say. I think it's really hard to like look at any offense and be like, oh, my team should do that unless your team is very similar to that team in terms of the skill sets and kind of attributes. But yeah, I think it's more that like, Defenses now are too good at stopping three-man games, and so I don't think it's actually any less risky than you know taking big shots. Yeah, I think Truck are a good example because I think you can watch them and think they're playing like super, I guess, like super risk averse and just moving like to safe as pass. But I, I don't see that when I watch them. I think they're really trying to take like aggressive options um and they do take a lot of aggressive throws downfield um it's just their their framing of what that means is is a little different but i like i certainly i certainly don't think from my watch like they're trying to go into a possession take 50 passes to score i think they're trying to score as quick as they can they're just not maybe willing to throw um certain types of throws that other teams will um but I certainly this season when they won, they looked like they were taking a lot more, a lot more cheeky breaks and a lot more like scubers, a lot more little blades to attack more aggressively downfield um, than the year before when I think they did get a little bit suffocated. Um, Leo, I'll leave you with the final word on this then. Um, like when you are watching those sort of dominator offenses, like what what are you seeing that makes them that makes them successful? I think they have fundamental principles about what they're trying to achieve. Um, so although they could maybe be happy to take more passes, they're not just passively trying to take passes until they get free. It's They have their first look, they have their first option, they've got principles by which they're trying to play, and if that doesn't work, then they have the next option and the next option. Um, and that sort of system works them down the field, but there is a, a deliberate plan there. It's It's... Yeah, it's not. It's not Ooh, yeah, it's I not just sorry, just came to be there. Just like easy and hoping. I think they're there eventually. If you clipped out all trucks passes, the throws they take to score are noticeably riskier than the throws they take in the rest of the pitch, which would go a long way to show that like they're not end zone blind. Basically, they're 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 very 
aware that they're trying to score off a particular throw um, and they're making sure that they do. Um, okay, Leo, Smurf, this was great fun. Um, thanks for being honest and blunt uh, talking about all these cliches. Uh, I might have, um, yeah, I might have fixed the wording a little bit to lead you down certain paths. So thanks for not always taking taking that bait. For everyone listening, thanks for listening. Uh, if you do want to send other cliches for us to talk about, uh, we'd, we'd be delighted to hear them. Um, you can send them to me on Instagram and at Better Everyday Coaching, uh, or you can email me at Better Everyday Coaching at gmail.com. Um, thanks everyone for listening. 